In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Happy Christmas, everybody. Many of you were here last year. The boiler was out. The heat didn't work. It was 42 degrees. Yeah, oh no is right. It was rough. And today, it's, my watch says it's 59 degrees outside. So, malaka hikimaka, I guess. What are the symbols that tell you it's Christmas? For me growing up, there were several. The first is my mom had certain Christmas albums that she would play all the time, including uh, the Muppets and John Denver. Yep. Uh, including Harry, Harry Belafonte's Christmas album, you know, because we were on the south side of Indy, but we were edgy. Um, another thing was this porcelain Christmas tree that had like light, bright lights in it. One of those things. Another one was obviously our Christmas tree that usually stayed up until at least uh, Ash Wednesday. <laughs> and finally, <clears throat> a nativity scene. How many of you have nativity scenes? Yeah. When our kids were little, we had these, uh, the little people nativity scene. I don't know if you remember that, with that little angel and all the things. But now we have this, this one that looks like it was built on a, on a German-Irish farm in southern Indiana in 1855. It's like this little wood thing with, like, that looks like it was built from tree bark, and it has uh, some porcelain figures uh, straight out of medieval Europe. I, th I think we all have symbols that carry the season that we see or hear about and that tells us this is what time it is. Well, in Luke's gospel today, I want to point out four symbols that would communicate to Luke's reader or listener what time it is. And those four things are census, manger, Shepherd and Mary. Census, manger, shepherd, and Mary. You want to keep Christ in Christmas? Hmm? You'll need these four symbols. Because they help us see what kind of God becomes what kind of person to enact what kind of liberation. Today, the good news is that God comes to us in Jesus, bringing hope and despair, inclusion for the excluded, blessings to the poor, and honor to the lowly. Hear the good news. Receive the gift of God with us and our troubles today. First, census, hope and despair. We're told that Caesar Augustus called uh, this census together. When I was a kid, we had people show up at our door and knock on our door, and they would take a, a, a survey. They would actually ask us questions, right? This is what humans did before the internet. And then if we were lucky, this is me as a child, they would leave their pencil with us, <laughs> right? I remember we had this 1980 census pencil that was like a prized possession. I'm sure my sisters and I fought over it. We could fight over anything. 
Censuses today are sort of uh, interesting. They're not very harassing, but in Jesus' day and in the Bible, we see censuses functioning differently. You see, Caesar Augustus called himself the savior of the whole world. And part of that meant getting his affairs in order, counting each and every person in the world, not so they could release some really cool demographic information or apportion public funding to schools better, but so Caesar could get richer. In fact, Jew, Jewish people who were counted would pay money to Rome so that Rome could fund Roman soldiers who are living on their land so those Roman soldiers could harass and exploit them. So come get counted so we can harm you better. So censuses in Jesus' day was a tool of imperialism. Taxes don't go to pave roads. They went to line the coffers of Caesar. And so we see at the beginning of this story that the census was this forced migration to be counted so that Caesar could have accounts of your accounts. Jesus' birth during a census reminds us that God chose to enter humanity not as a colonizer, but as the colonized. To remix what Isaiah says, Jesus' birth during the census is one way that God shatters the yoke that burdens us and the staff on our shoulders and the rod of our oppressor that the census would symbolize. The government is upon somebody else's shoulders, Caesar. Not exactly how to make the Yuletide gay for you, is it, Caesar? You see, God comes to us in Jesus bringing hope for a new government in the despair of an oppressive one. Hear this good news and receive the gift of God with us and in our troubles today. So the census brings hope and despair. The manger is a symbol of inclusion for the excluded. I know we sang once in Royal David City, one of my favorite hymns, but that hymn makes reference to a cattle shed I'm sorry if I'm the first person who had to tell you this. I know it's Christmas, and I hate to make you disappointed, but Jesus didn't sleep in a barn. I really love my little manger scene, but it's just not historically accurate. And that's okay, except that we miss what's actually going on here, and it helps us understand, I think, the social location and the social isolation of Mary and Joseph. The word for inn is a mistranslation. There was no room in the guest house, meaning when Mary and David went to Bethlehem, they were going to stay with relatives. And because of Mary, the implication here is that Mary and Joseph had very low status in their extended family, and so they didn't get the guest bed. They didn't even get the floor in the kitchen. They got what we would commonly consider the mud room. You know the mud room? Where you take off your shoes because they're muddy? Yeah, you know the mud room, Cam. Of course you do. Well, the mud room was, was the room in between the outside and the inside where animals that grazed during the day would be kept at night. So it was where you put your dirty shoes and your dirty animals. 
So Mary and Joseph were the least honored members of their family. They had the lowest status among a bunch of poor people. Being excluded by their own in-group, they had honor and status equal to that of a borough. That's Spanish for jackass. It reminds us that God chose to enter the human story not at the top and the center, but at the bottom and the margins with the excluded and the shameful. And into this exclusion, Mary births one who longs to draw all people to himself, the one who longs to gather the lost sheep and include all who've been excluded. God comes to us this Christmas, bringing hope and despair and inclusion and belonging into our exclusion and isolation. Receive this gift. Hear this good news. Into your troubles today. So we have two symbols, the census, hope and despair, the manger, inclusion for the excluded. And three, we have the shepherds. This is blessing to the poor. The shepherds was the lowest profession, other than maybe tax collector. They were considered unclean, dishonest, People of ill repute. Today, if you go to the Middle East, the shepherds are preteen children, usually preteen girls. The least honored status one could have. In the 1960s and 70s, a priest named Father Ernesto Cardinal preached for years in the remote area of Nicaragua called the Solentiname Island Archipelago. And he recorded these conversations with these Nicaraguan peasants. After He would read the gospel, and then they would have a meal together, and they would talk about the gospel reading. Here's a portion of their dialogue about the shepherds in Luke's gospel. Tomas says, if Jesus had been born in a rich man's house, the shepherds wouldn't have been able to get there because it was a fancy house. Maybe they wouldn't even have let him in. Oscar says, the shepherds wouldn't even have wanted to go there because they would have seen he wasn't coming for them but for the rich. Then Father Ernesto says, and the rich don't need liberation. What liberation do the rich need? William says, the rich need to be liberated from their money. Philippe replies, when the poor get liberated, they'll get liberated too. And little Aidan says, the poor will liberate the rich. The shepherds remind us that God, when God chooses to enter the human story, He reveals this entering to illiterate, uneducated, goat-snuggling, third-shifting poor people. Maybe they had no qualms going to see the child lying in a feeding trough manger because they were used to how bad sheep smell. What does it say about our God that the revelation of Jesus' birth comes to a class of people who would not be believed or listened to. Reminds us of the resurrection being proclaimed first by Mary and how women wouldn't be believed either. These, these revelatory events, God discloses unbelievable good news to people that the educated would dismiss. Into the anxiety that we don't know enough or that we're cut off from what God would want to do in our lives. Today the angels proclaim in Isaiah's language, that, that God is shattering the yoke that burdens us. 
God comes to us in Jesus, bringing hope in our despair, inclusion for the excluded, and blessings to the poor. Hear this good news and receive this gift today of Christmas right into your troubles. Since this manger shepherd and now Mary, this entire story in Luke's gospel centers on a woman. Joseph stays silent. It's Mary, we're told at the end of this story, who commits all these things to memory and ponders them in her heart. Cole Arthur Riley, who has written a number of liturgies, she has an Instagram, she's a good follow on Instagram, it's uh, at Black Liturgies. She says this, pay attention to the silence of the men in the Christmas story. Zechariah can't speak. Joseph doesn't speak. All the words and emotions of Mary and Elizabeth take the rightful place. The sound of Advent is the voice of women. Silence is a divine recentering. In Mary, we see that the paragon of faith is a woman, and probably a young one at that. The way God works in the incarnation is bringing honor to the lowly. All generations will call me blessed. Mary, we call you blessed today. God comes to us in Jesus, bringing hope in our despair, inclusion for the excluded, blessing to the poor, and honor to the lowly. Hear this good news. Receive the gift of God with us and in our troubles today. Friends, God chose to enter the human story at a time of intense colonial oppression and occupation through a poor, disenfranchised family from the marginalized region of Galilee, telling only the ones no one would listen to or believe. With a young, unmarried, pregnant woman as the paragon of faith. What does this reveal about who God is? What does this reveal about what it means to have God with us? Well, he loves a good story. But also, the part of you tonight that feels most distant from the joy of Christmas, that's the manger in which he waits for you. The part of you tonight that feels most excluded far from blessing, lowly, in despair. That's where God with us waits. That is the hope of Christmas. Let's take a moment of silence and then respond in prayer together. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.